Welcome to the Subconscious Mind Mastery Podcast. Thomas Miller, thanks for joining us. I'm so glad you're here. We're going to actually continue the conversation that we started in the previous podcast about our very life itself being our guru, our teacher, because there is so much going on right now that I have come up with some thoughts and really what happened to trigger this is a couple of times in the last 48 hours, this has come up again twice and been very impactful on people's lives. So I thought, mm, yeah, we've got to talk about this on the podcast. Now, this is being recorded, actually, on my brother's birthday. So wishing him a big, and it's a big birthday, too. I'm not going to go into the details just to respect that I have not been given permission to do so, but it's a big birthday, and I'm wishing him the very best today. So for the last 18 months, we have been under incredible stress, dealing with something that we thought would go away quickly. Then we realized, hmm, this isn't going to... Um, be gone quite as soon as we'd hoped, and now we're in the stretches wondering when it's going to end and what else is there that we don't know about yet. We've lost friends, loved ones, associates. We've been divided even more as a country in the United States. I know many of you listen outside of that, but I know there are divisions in other places too, and we're trying to make sense of it, and we come here to try to see what might be in the collective or in the collective consciousness or the unconscious collective to try to explain some answers of what's going on and where are we headed. So with the groundwork that we laid in the previous podcast, I think that there are some interesting introspective things that we can add to the conversation. I've mentioned this before, but in the audiobook that I narrated for Fred Dodson called Lives of the Soul, that book gave me more clarity about the intentionality of our lives, how we literally script them down to almost an exact parameter of things that we might encounter in this lifetime. And then we grant ourselves the gifts of amnesia and free choice. And here we are, and here we come. And we navigate these various things in our life according to this master map plan that we put together before we came here. I firmly believe that. And if my 61 years have taught me anything at all, it's been the validity of that that is pretty close to what must be the reality. And then I found for me what interprets very well as the map to that path, the map to that plan is reflected by the stars in our natal birth chart, which is representative of the snap moment we were born and gives us the energetic alignments that we are going to deal with and work on in our lifetime. That's why I feel so passionate about learning and studying and doing my daily astrology episode is the more we can understand it, the more we're in tune with our original intention for being here. I'm not going to go down that road, but the road I am going to go down is the intentionality of why we came here now. And to emphasize the point that we did, I'm going to say, just try on, even if you have a hard time with this, just try on, just open up to the maybe it's possible. Maybe it's not even likely, but I'll just try on. I'll listen to the guy and see what he says. I'll try it on. Open mind that we came here now 
to do some of the most massive soul transformational work that we have had the opportunity to do for at least 500 years and will not have the ability to work on with this energetic force for another 700 years. Let me explain. And this is where the astrology will come into the picture just a wee little bit. Back in January of 2020, two planets in the sky aligned. And again, we're not going down an astrological road, but remember Psalm 19.1 in the Bible? If you'd like to recall something that was written about 4,000 years ago, the heavens declare the glory of God. And Jesus even said in Luke chapter 21 that there will be signs in the stars and the sun and the moon talking about the end days, the end times, which he was talking about 2,000 years ago. Well, back in January of 2020, Saturn and Pluto were aligned in a straight line. It's called a conjunction in the sign of Capricorn, which is Saturn's home sign. Just very quickly, Saturn, Lord Karma, Pluto, transformation, death, destruction, rebirth, came together for the first time that they have since the year 1518, 500 years ago. If we walk it back again, we see them together in Capricorn in the year 1284. And as I mentioned, they won't be here again until the year 2754. So what's the big deal? Why are we looking back at the year 1284? Well, 1284 was a very clear period in history, as were the 1300s following it. That was basically the bridge between nearly the millennia-old period of the Dark Ages, transitioning to what became, many scholars say, the greatest time to be on the planet, the Italian Renaissance. And my goodness, what an incredible transition that was. But during that time, there was a global cooling that resulted in a global famine that resulted in an economic crisis that then was culminated by the bubonic plague, the black plague of the mid-1300s. And from those ashes emerged the Italian Renaissance. And right at the beginning of that whole string of events that lasted nearly a 100 years was the alignment in the sky of Saturn and Pluto. Well, as we move forward... The dominant political powerhouse of Europe was Rome, and over the 250 succeeding years, basically, it became very corrupt, very restricting, and a little German monk priest by the name of Martin Luther tacked a 95-point thesis onto the door of the Catholic Church saying, we're not going to abide by this anymore, and that began the Protestant Reformation which led to a shift, again, here we are, this theme, this shift from the center of control in Rome, now moved to the crown, the British crown in London. And over the next 250 years, the sun never set on the British Empire, and it became corrupt to the point where, 250 years later, in 1776, some colonists said to the king, We're not paying your taxes. You can come over here and collect your tea, too, by the way. It'll be in the bottom of Boston Harbor. 
Now, Saturn and Pluto were not together in Capricorn at that time, but Pluto was. Saturn was over in another sign. So we see from this that just Pluto being in the sign of Capricorn is a really, really big deal. And, of course, that led to the founding of America, which led us to where we are today, a country that has been very great, very influential, but after the 250-year cycle has become corrupt. And here we are again. Saturn and Pluto in January of 2020, all of us became aware of this thing called COVID-19. I looked ahead at the next 250-year cycles, and either Saturn is not in Capricorn or they don't completely get into a conjunction. They brush elbows, which I think will be influential times. But the next time that they align at exactly the same degree and minute in Capricorn is not until the end of 2,754. So if you didn't get enough of this one... (laughs) You could set a soul calendar reminder. Be sure to incarnate back in 2754. I want to be here. So what does all this mean? Well, what it means to me is that we incarnated intentionally during one of the most powerful, impactful, transformational energies that the planet ever sees. It is so rare And we all chose to be here now. What that says to me is that we wanted to be here for the collective work that's going on. We wanted to have the front row seat that we all still have. And it also says to me that we came here to do our own soul work under this energy. See, this perspective takes the politics out and puts the spiritual lens on. So we're looking at the situation not from all of the news stories and all the factions and divisions and everything that have permeated our society. Now it's about what spiritual business is going on here. And the answer to that is transformation. So you know from my story in this podcast that things really started to rock and roll for me in 2007 triggered by a second divorce to somebody that wasn't supposed to get divorced once, you know, and trying to figure all that out. And that's what brought me to the journey of where I am today that I've shared publicly here. Looking back on it over a decade now, it has been a path of transformation and the onion is still peeling. So I think all of us are in that paradigm somewhere. Either we've faced our demons and we have started to work through them Or we just recently have had some kind of experience like I had back in 2007, 2008 that triggered the process. Or maybe you're a tire kicker and just looking for answers and are saying, oh, you know what? This might make some sense. And I'm not right here. This is just my thought, my speculation. But if you follow the dynamics of energy, you realize that if so many people around the world would elevate their consciousness above the fray of what's going on, do their own individual transformational work, then that collective whole would begin to raise the energy level of the planet. And I definitely think that there are way enough people that if gathered together and doing this work collectively could change things, absolutely they could. There are enough. But the difficult part for every one of us, is when stuff gets triggered, when things come up, when the insecurities come up, 
So I had one just in the past week. It was something that I saw on social media that triggered me, and I sat with the trigger. So I thought, ooh, wait a minute. Okay, hold on, hold on. So the trigger instantly now is becoming the portal to the transformational work. Go back to what we said in the last podcast from Krishna Doss. Our very path itself is our teacher. So what I'm opening up to now is when something comes along that triggers me, that is the teacher teaching. (laughs) It's the universe doing the transformational work. It's poking just hard enough that it's evoking a trigger to say, there's something deeper here. I've developed this mental image of a pile of Jenga blocks, you know, the wood blocks that you pull out. And I'm thinking of what, where we are right now. Our life right now is represented by a big tower of Jenga blocks. And our assignment under this energy is to remove as many of those blocks as we can, I guess without it falling down. But the idea is, or maybe the game shifts from, you have to pull them out from lower levels. <laughs> you know, it's like... You, so what you're trying to do is remove as many of these Jenga blocks, which represent unresolved issues in our life. And as you pull them out, you get to set them aside when your tower is done. And yeah, it might fall in. I guess by then what you have to do is just keep digging the Jenga blocks out. They're still there. But the idea is if you can remove the Jenga blocks one by one carefully as things come up or like in Jenga, as the opportunity presents, oh, here's one I can get. Ah, Be careful, careful, careful. Ah, got it. Okay. Whew. Okay, now where's the next one? You know, that's the journey here. So what I'm looking at this as when things get triggered like they did a weekend ago, I'm looking at that as an opportunity to remove a Jenga block and I'm getting excited about it. So I'm like, yes, I get to pull a block. Oh, do the work. Okay, I can do this. But I'm still sitting with this trigger. I mean, I was almost shaking. Don't think that this was like some, oh, okay, I'll just kumbaya, zoom, jinga, 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 and, you know, and like, uh-uh. No, this was deep. So I was wondering why I was being triggered by this because what it is is something that is very socially acceptable today, and yet it was triggering me. So I thought, well, where is this coming from? And I started to do the work. And I did what I do best. I went out and got myself on a hiking trail. That's where answers come the clearest and the fastest to me. You'll have your own place and way of getting connected to source as quickly as possible. But I basically, long story short, traced it back to what I've talked about before, the time about a thousand years ago when I was beheaded face up. And more details around that have come about since, but basically that's why I came into the world feeling it wasn't safe because I was beheaded for something that was not like not a criminal act. I hadn't got caught doing something. I was in the right. I think it was they wanted to just take some property is what it was. They wanted to take something that I had and that's why I came in. It's like I mean, why I ran from everything, because nothing is safe in that environment. So that has opened up so much for me to put pieces together that has then made things like this latest one just disappear so easily. 
So I asked, was this trigger related to the beheading? It was, yes, it was. And basically what it what further was revealed is that I was flagged and marked and ridiculed almost, and this came up, almost in the same way that Jesus was when they put the crown of thorns on his head. It was a mockery. It was a ridicule. It was a shaming that I went through. And that's why the trigger was so ferocious. That's why it was so amplified. That's why it was so there. And that's why it's been there all of my life. This trigger has been there all my life. Well, then I started to do the work because all of a sudden I was thinking, Jenga block, Jenga block. Okay, I've got it walked back to there. And my next thought was, did that situation, whatever it was that happened way back a long time ago, have anything to do with today? And the answer was clearly no. I had no attachment to it in this life. It has not come up for me in the past. It has never been an issue. It was just an outlying trigger centered down in my subconscious that wanted to come up and out and be processed. It was a subconscious Jenga block that wanted to be removed. See, I firmly believe that when you get square with this and you start working with the universe on this, the universe will support you. You can just say, okay, let's pull Jenga blocks, but please do it carefully and please do it kindly and gently. I'm willing to work with it. So I didn't resist the process. I went through what I needed to do to reverse and reframe, which basically was just to say, you know what? That doesn't have anything to do with now. And it's something that today, as I mentioned in the beginning, is something very socially accepted, appreciated, sought after, expressed as freedom and openness. And I thought, you know, I can change my perception of this and just accept it for what it is and accept not what happened to me, the negative, but accept the positive, the creativity, the expression of joy, the expression of love that has come also to associate with this. So in my case, it was shame and ridicule and guile. Today, it is creativity, love, and actually free expression. So my way out, my way to pull this Jenga block was to connect with the positive energy that other people were experiencing around what was a trigger for me. And that was the release. So let's go back to what we talked about in the last podcast from Krishna Das. Number one, we don't love ourselves enough. As he was saying, we will only love others the way that we love ourselves. And that came through in this little example because when I connected to other people, loving them for their excitement about something that I was not excited about, I was able to connect and love. And I was like, wow. And with that removal of that Jenga block, I picked up a little bit of self-love. So as he said, we have to love ourselves first. This was a great exercise in that. So through the initial reaction, resistance, came a connection of love. And I'll tell you that it doesn't get any better than that. You know when that happens, it's just magical. So the next thing that I think of related to this is the guru is us. It's our path. So the universe was benefic with this. It was very well handled, I gotta say. It was just easy. It came up. I did experience 
some hours of triggeredness and was able to just work through it. And with that was expressed gratitude of saying thank you to the universe for helping me pull that Jenga block so easily. And then honoring the fact that the path is our teacher. That whole concept has just become huge to me because in the scope of this energetic journey on planet Earth, when I narrated Lives of the Soul, one thing Fred said in there was talking about not having to come back to Earth anymore. You get to a point where you can transcend. You can go on to other realms. You can go on to other roles, such as spirit guides, things like that. And I realized, I thought, you know, Fred Dodson is on that track, but I'm certainly not. I'll have to come back more times. And then it's just dawned on me. No, wait a minute. You don't have to. This energy under Saturn and Pluto is so strong, folks, it will not be here for another 700 years. So I'm thinking I can get my Jenga pile completely disassembled before I get out of here. I can do this. So why not be one who releases from this cycle of incarnation under this Saturn-Pluto energy? But And I know I might be talking crazy, crazy stuff here. I get it. Just, again, go with me to fantasy land here. Because if it's true, then you could transcend as well. But what we have to do is take all of these reaction points and frame them up as the universe giving us an opportunity to pull a Jenga block. And from there, the game is up to us because we can resist it and we'll create problems with the Jenga pile. Or we can get in there and roll our sleeves up and do our work and let it go and process it and let the universe show us where the pain point is. In some cases, do the opposite. In some cases, reframe it. But again, just right down to the nitty-gritty of where we are as this is being recorded. If you see an article about vaccinated people this or that, or unvaccinated people this or that, or the government's doing this or that, or science is doing this or that, Congress is doing this or that, triggers something, go into that trigger. That's a Jenga block. You might say, but Thomas, people are dying from this. Don't minimize it. Don't just make it a game for people to transform themselves. People are getting sick and dying. I totally get it. And that's a Jenga block. See, I'm advocating that if we're going to go into other realms and teach other people, that we have to become non-reactive. And that opened up this. A couple of days after my resolution of this particular issue, the story of Jesus and the woman at the Samaritan well came very strong to mind. And since I've been changing my ways and kind of shoved all of my past religious teaching to the side, I've been revisiting a lot of it lately. And one of the areas that came up was... Jesus' teachings. Okay, so he was the greatest teacher. He's the way shower, Christ consciousness, all this stuff. And I was having a hard time piecing that together. And then this story came up. And I was like, oh, I got it. I totally got it. So very quickly, the setup is Jesus, a Jewish man, was traveling through Samaria, which to a Jew in that time, was considered a half-breed, 
a lower case, a lower life form, and there was tremendous discrimination against each other. They hated each other, basically. And it wasn't cool for women and men to be talking unless there was some kind of official business. So here's this traveler who engages in conversation with the enemy, with the one who is to be segregated and discriminated against. And he asks her a question. And she responds. And he basically kind of calls her on it through what is really a psychic reading. I mean, I get it. Okay, people say, yeah, he was God. He knew what was going on in her life. I mean, I think he gave her a psychic reading. He basically told her, he said, well, you've been married five times, and the dude that you're with now is not your husband. Well, that got her attention, and they went on in conversation, and he was able to present his answer to her question about living water and told her about the, the higher levels of consciousness, the higher way of living. Through that whole incident, he was completely non-reactive. And that was the light bulb. I started to think of other times when Jesus was presented with different situations. Here was a storm, and he was asleep in the back of the boat. The disciples, reacting to the storm, we're all going to perish. He was asleep, non-reactive. I mean, you can go through most of the stories. Now, there is one where I would say there was a reaction, and that was when he drove the money changers out of the temple. But even when they crucified him, he was non-reactive. I thought, ah, that's the way shower. It's not the message of love. That message is as old as the planet. It's not the message of forgiveness. That message was initiated. Again, when we humans, however we emerged, however we came, that message has been with us all along. You can't say Jesus was the greatest teacher because he just advocated love and forgiveness. What Jesus did was didn't react. He had no Jenga pile. So if you and I are going to get to the point where we transcend this incarnation, reincarnation, come back again, come back again, work on our energy, work on our karma, why don't we just realize that we are here during the most powerful period since 1284-1518 and that will be until 2754. Why don't we use this window to clean up our Jenga pile? At least take it on. If nothing else, it will make life a lot more interesting and fun to be in a position of sleeping through the storms. I'm Thomas Miller. Thanks for listening and enjoy the journey. The stories and opinions expressed on this podcast are independently those of the host and guests and are not intended to be taken as medical advice or to replace medical care from a licensed professional when appropriate. The stories and opinions expressed on this podcast are independently those of the host and guests and are not intended to be taken as medical advice or to replace medical care from a licensed professional when appropriate.